0: Don't know the power of the dark
1: side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I'm an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, welcome along to Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by GKmedia.ie. It is Series 6, Episode 7, joined as always by Lisa Tracy and Dave Coyne. Good evening.
0: Good evening, Gary. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, everybody.
2: How are we all doing?
1: So, today we are looking at three movies. We decided to do movies this week and a couple of movies that we're really excited about. Coming to America, Eddie Murphy back from the 80s classic with an Amazon original. Coming to America now just released on Amazon Prime Video. So, we're going to be reviewing that. Also, Tom Hardy is back on the big screen. Well, none of us get to see Anthem on the big screen at the moment, but uh, theoretically, being a theatrical production it is Capone where he plays Al Capone and is he as good as De Niro was in the Untouchables we'll find out shortly and of course another sequel it is Sacha Baron Cohn in Borat 2 and then a silly title following on afterwards but for now we'll just call it Borat 2 but first of all before we kick off let's get the reactions Dave Coyne, Harry and Meghan talking to Oprah <laughs>
2: Um, <laughs> uh, well, I've heard mixed reports. I mean, in the interview, uh, they said at the beginning you're not getting paid to do this. But I've heard in the grapevine that they're getting they got six million dollars. I heard they I got mean, eighty million. Right. Well, I don't know about eighty million. Come on, nobody's <laughs> going to pay eighty million for an interview. But six million sounds about right. Six million for an afternoon of talking crap. Uh, I mean, I don't mean talking crap, but I mean talking. Just you know, it's not like it's a scripted thing. But look at or I is think, it? But, yeah. Well, here's um, the honestly I don't know I can't use my judgment because at the end of the day I don't want it to lots of people I know are actors and actresses uh, I was an actor myself for many many years and I still do a bit of acting from time to time <coughs> cough cough any casting characters out there <laughs> no but seriously like once you're an actor or an actress you get tired with this brush of oh they're drama queen you know so I think she's suffering from that. Like a lot of people are going, oh, she's just an actress. And I mean, it's, it's interesting the difference between the reaction on the, the left side of our pond and on the mm-hmm. right side of our smaller pond, like over in the States, they're all on the side of mental health and wellness and against racism, and black lives matter. And all that kind of, you know, that's the kind of feeling you're getting. And all the TV presenters are falling on the side of Megan and Harry. And oh my God, they escaped that tyranny. And then over in the UK, the tabloids are tearing her apart and, Piers Morgan is going, I don't believe one word she says, and all this kind of nonsense. So it's very hard to know what's what. Lisa?
0: Uh, I kind of don't even care anymore. It's just been talked about to death. I'm sick of it. I I wish I cared enough to talk about it as much as people talk about it. But I don't care enough about either of the characters in this scenario. Um, neither the Royals nor the Windsors. Um, especially not the royals but I, I just don't care about them I'm like we shouldn't be still talking about these people and the monarchy there's, there's a global pandemic going on there's more important things to talk about Well I there certainly is
1: and that's our three movies that we are going <laughs> to be reviewing today
0: <laughs> Exactly
1: Again just to uh, forewarn listeners I do have the results already that Lisa and Dave gave for each of the movies that they watched during the week they don't know either score but I have them here and very uh, very 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 interesting score shall we say. There's one movie where you gave the same score
0: Oh really? <laughs>
1: there's definitely okay. agreement there. Okay, well let's start off with Capone. I love my gangster movies. I enjoy Tom Hardy as an actor at times I think he's a little bit the same in a lot of movies again I go back to comparing The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. The difference in Performances from Heath Ledger and Tom Hardy is phenomenal. Heath Ledger is absolutely amazing, playing the baddie, playing the villain, whereas Bane is very um, caricature or something, Mm. you know. But anyways, he's playing Capone. Very interesting type of story because it's, it's looking at Capone in the latter years. So the Untouchables with De Niro, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, Andy Garcia that came out from Brian De Palma in the 80s, absolute classic and that covered Capone up until the time he got indicted in court this one pretty much follows when he's released from prison and he actually only had a few years to live if not a year or something after he came out of prison in alcatraz i believe so dave kind of where does the story start as such and who is this capone who we've never really seen on screen
2: well it's it's a very very ill man at the end of his life He's so ill that he, you know, he's lost control of his bowels and, you know, literally destroys his trousers on many occasions in this film, which is not exactly a pleasant thing to witness in a film. But you know, it, it, and it tells a lot about the character and the physical um, denigration that he's going through uh, in, in in his illness. It's neurosyphilitis is the technical term, or syphilis as we more commonly call it, which is very much. Um, Not a disease of the day, but at the time, penicillin was only in experimental stages, and he was far too, he was too far along in his illness to benefit from penicillin. He's very, very ill, he's suffering from uh, delusions and flashbacks, and it's all very, very heavy laden on that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I I, I won't go into my response to that just yet, but he's he's in this kind of um, flashbacks, flash forwards reality is it reality is he imagining things is he not imagining things that's the kind of it's the torture that he is going through and pretty much every scene in it is questionable as to whether it's reality or whether it's in his mind the whole literally 95 percent of the film so it's a bit of an onslaught in that regard um but it's just the story of obviously the mind of a psychopathic killer type of al capone that we know the character the caricature even and, and you, as you can imagine, you know, when a person like that is in the throes of the end of their life and huge illness at the age of 45 or 46 or whatever he it was, it, it, it's a torrid psychological event, uh, you know, rather than somebody who's had a nice, peaceful, calm life full of pleasant memories. This is full of crazy memories of violence and death and uh, betrayal and all the rest of it. So,
1: Lisa, it's, it's, it's got a good backstory to it. There's a good spine to the story there. And Tom Hardy is a good actor. Where did it go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Where
0: did it go wrong? It went wrong from the get-go, from the from the from the moment Tom Hardy stepped onto the screen and just mocked the whole Capone thing. Like it's it's not Capone. Like it's not any Capone we've ever seen before. He's not he, like. Even when he's he's speaking Italian, he's he's doing it wrong, and uh, just everything about it was so wrong. Um, the only thing I thought that was um, decent enough, and it was uh, is it Linda Cardellini that played the wife? Yeah, yeah, I thought she was she was good as persevering with that man, but it was just it was too much to take. There was too much nonsense like it was just it was just nonsense I felt I felt like I was in some sort of a, a trip that somebody was on and it, it was self-indulgent and it was nonsense there was no linear anything and sometimes you don't need a linear movie but like this thing needed to be more of a biopic if if, if you're saying Capone then you're like be more of a biopic and not like somebody's dream sequence of what maybe maybe didn't happen I thought it was actually disgusting like I really did it was just it was unnecessary the way they depicted him like I know he was an evil man and he was a gangster but like just it's it just it was it just it's not the component we knew not the any any version we've ever seen I just, I think it was absolutely awful. Tom Hardy is up for Razzies, apparently. So Mm. I'm like, the first time I'm like, not the first time I'm agreeing with the Razzies, but I'm up there supporting the Razzies going, yes, he deserves definitely best actor Razzie for that. That was awful. Hated it.
1: Like you mentioned self-indulgent. I think Dave, with someone who's had an acting background as well, it seemed to very much be tom hardy self-indulging in himself because there's over the top and then there's about 20 mattresses put on top of that as well like that's <laughs> yeah, the level and a trampoline and a
2: trampoline at the very top of those where he's <laughs> reaching for the stars of self-indulgence i mean this film i could describe this film in one world word and it rhymes with the director's surname which is josh trank cuz it's rank this film.
1: So oh, you're going to say stank.
2: Well, same thing. <laughs> uh this film has it's I don't know if anybody remembers the worst film that we ever reviewed on this show, which was a film called Cellar Door. This movie is basically Cellar Door with a better cast. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In that, a nutshell.
2: There's not, it's just dream sequence after dream sequence after dream sequence after flashback dream sequence. There's no basis in reality. I mean, even in old movies from 60 years ago, they would have a visual cue of, you know, the melting kind of frame to show you now we're going to go to a dream sequence. Yeah. And now we're going to come back. This, you cannot tell what's real, what's not real. And as Lisa said, you don't care either. You don't Mm. care because this isn't Al Capone. This is just a very sick person who is shitting themselves, pissing themselves, shooting guns, having flashbacks, talking to themselves, mumbling in, into their cigar. And there's nothing happen. There's no beginning, middle and end. There's no story arc. There's no event in the movie that happens, that changes anything. It's just nonsense. And honestly, I mean, Linda Cardellini is the best thing in it. Uh, Matt Dillon is in it. He's completely wasted. Wasted. Because he's a, he's a flashback dream sequence. We don't know if he was real or whatever. Uh, Fonzie, they don't say Al, but Fonz played by Tom Hardy, is just a waste of time. But I think, I'm sorry, but it's written and directed by this guy, Josh Trank. And he is just not a good writer, and he's not a good director. No offence, Josh, I'm sure you're a lovely man, but he directed this stinker of a film in 2005's um, Fantastic Four where Michael B. Jordan was in this Fantastic Four film as Johnny Storm, and Miles Teller, Kate Mara, etc., Jamie Bell. You know, great cast as Fantastic Four. And that is a stinker of a film. And it was directed by this guy, Josh Trank. This guy is not a director. He does not know how to anchor the audience at any point in this film. This film is absolutely terrible. Um, As Lisa said, this is not Al Capone. There's nothing, there's nothing in the story that has anything to do with prohibition, gangsters, other than there's apparently there's a $10 million, he's, he buried $10 million somewhere and he can't remember where it is. That's not a plot point. That's a bullet point in a conversation. And the FBI are trying to, and is it the FBI or is it his imagination? We don't mm-hmm. know. There's no... Basis of reality in this thing It's a trippy dream sequence that belongs In, beside cellar door At the back of an art museum Because it's not a cinematic narrative This is an art piece Cinema crap Nonsense Mm -hmm. This film is abysmally bad
1: Now Dave, you gave me a A poo stain in your uh, Review, but can you give me the number That's beside the poo, please Poo's are usually number two But this doesn't
2: warrant that This is a one. This is a Mm. one out of ten.
1: Oh, very generous compared to Lisa, because Lisa you gave it.
0: Zero out of (laughs) ten. I give it nothing. Because it deserved
2: nothing.
1: So on average, that is Capone with half a percent.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Don't wait. And you know what it does? It actually makes me question my Netflix subscription. I kind of go, Hmm. What are you doing, Netflix? I'm paying you twelve euros or whatever the hell it is a month. What are you spending my money on?
1: Okay, so you go on about Netflix. I signed up for Amazon Prime a a couple of weeks ago. And one of the reasons was Coming to America. I was a big fan of Eddie Murphy in the 80s with Delirious and Raw and then the movies like Beverly Hills Cop and so on. Coming to America, another great classic. And then there was a few interesting movies in the 90s before um, he pretty much, well, he didn't disappear off the radar. He was still making stuff, but they were disappearing very drastically off the radar. And then there was talk of him coming back with Dolmite, last year and he was getting a few nominations at award ceremonies. And then we heard that coming to America had gone into production and had completed shooting pre COVID. Uh, So they literally had a year to tidy this movie up, get it together. There was a bombardment of advertising taking place over the last week or so for this movie, huge excitement. This was meant to be, this was Eddie Murphy's big comeback. We were going to show the next generation why this guy is so good. Over to you, Dave Coin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Omg! Oh, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was healthily skeptical of this film because the first movie is a classic. The first movie is it's a mainstay in the comedy world. There's only about. Maybe like the best Eddie Murphy movie for me of all time is uh, Trading Places, which is in my top 10 of all time, all movies. It's a classic. Mm. And if somebody even mentions the concept of remaking or I will come through the Internet with a baseball bat and smack them in the head because it's a classic. And they'd say I said, okay, they're going to do coming to America. They're going to have the trendy, you know, not coming to America, too, but coming to America. I was like, okay. And then, it, like you said, I saw it all advertised to Amazon Primer using this. And uh, I thought, OK, yeah. And I sat down and I watched it. it took me three days to watch this film. Three days. Yeah, I, I sat there. I paused it after, four, after 30 minutes. And I kind of went, "Whoo! oh, my goodness. And I had to go for a walk. I had to go and sleep it off. I had to go to work. I had to have an, my dinner. And I kind of had to psych myself. OK, I'm going to finish this film. And then another 20 minutes passed. And I thought, oh, God, I need another walk."
1: I mean, my wife said to me last night, "You must really love this movie. This must this is your first time watching it." I said, "No, I'm just trying to get through it." But I, it's, <laughs> yeah, it was like wading through a swamp with after
2: Al Capone put concrete shoes on me. I'm up to my waist in slimy Eddie Murphy, uh, and it was just, oh my god, who let the script out? Who let the PC brigade all over the script? Because you can't take a classic film that is politically incorrect by modern Mm -hmm. standards and then apply the political correctness to it you can't take a classic Jaguar from 1940 and put airbags and sensors on it because it will be terrible you know you can't take something from the past and apply modern rules to it the still- well, opening
1: 10 minutes of this movie, you, you know well that they were saying, oh, the audience is going to be really excited now because we've this character from the original movie. And then suddenly someone else comes into the frame and it's, oh, wow, they'd be amazed now because it's this character from the original movie. I, they obviously thought they were doing an amazing job. It was paint by numbers. Paint huh? by numbers, Gary. Yeah, it was
2: like, yeah. and now we're going to have this guy come in. And now we're going to do the Royal Bathers gag. And now we're going to do the Barbershop gag. And now we're going to do this gag. And now we're going to do... Oh, my God. And the subplot of the subplot of the... It was just abysmal. And then they slacked on all of the politically correct stuff. The best line in it was when the two... New actors whose names escape me, and I don't want them to ever unescape me. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Murphy's illegitimate son and his love interest. They were having a conversation where they were building their relationship, and all of a sudden, they're in love and get married five minutes later. But anyway, um, where they said, "Oh, you know, Hollywood is all out of ideas, and you know, it's nothing but sequels and remakes." And I just thought, right, well, that's the only bit of meta in this yeah. film that has any warrant whatsoever. Every uh, African American actor in the world had a cameo: Morgan Freeman, Trevor Noah. All the actors and Salt and Pepper and all the rest yeah. of them and Wesley Snipes. Wesley, oh my God, Wesley Snipes. Oh my God, if he ever acts again, it'll be one minute too much acting.
1: Send him back to prison.
2: Whoa, <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah, because Lisa, I'm not even asking for anyone to do a synopsis to this movie. What's the story? Because there, there's, there's no story really. It's like a one sentence thing, but. Yeah. He's find an heir to his throne. That's it.
0: I was kind of hoping that Beyonce might turn up, but she didn't. And that's really what I was, you know, really disappointed about. That's why I only give it some points. I laughed at one bit, I think. I think probably Wesley Snipes. I was like, I gave him one laugh, I think. But that was it. For a whole entire movie that's a comedy movie, I didn't laugh out loud once.
1: Like, if anyone watched this movie mm. for the first time, they would never go and watch the original if they hadn't seen it before.
2: No. God like, he's I just
1: know. killed the franchise.
2: Yeah. If it even oh, should never have been a franchise, franchise. Buried the franchise, blew up the planet that you buried it on, and then spread those ashes on a distant galaxy. Mm. I mean, I genuinely don't think I will ever watch anything new that has the words Eddie Murphy in it ever again mm. after that performance. I mean, I, I, I'm lost for words.
1: But Dave, they've Would announced they have, have, that Beverly Hills um, Cop 4 is happening.
2: No, but who Netflix?
1: He's back as Axel Foley.
2: Well, I can just tell you right now that the trajectory of the Axel Foley franchise is was on the way down twenty five years ago when they made Beverly Hills Cop Three. Yeah, and after watching what I just witnessed, I feel like I I feel like I need a you know a, a, a council liaison officer <laughs> from the police to come and give me counselling after watching that movie, unless you say to me, Dave. Got to watch Axel Foley for. I ain't watching it.
1: Netflix are, are behind it, and Jerry Bruckheimer. Oh. <laughs>
2: well then, yeah, great. You might as well say Dracula and Bela Lugosi in terms of relevance and modernity. My God. Oh well. And the problem is now that these these uh, streaming services that are up and running, you know, Netflix, the the Netflix and Amazon Prime that are, you know, at the peak of this thing. They almost have more money than sense. They're green-lighting stuff like this. That's just tear I don't know how much this movie cost. If it cost twenty euros, that's a waste of money.
1: Lisa, out of ten for coming to America,
2: I thought I was very generous
0: very
1: because generous I enjoyed
0: people. the dancing. Okay, I thought the dancing was good, so I give it a five out of ten. Which I think is really high. I know it's really high, but I I just I liked the dancing and then the costumes and you know the, the 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 bit in Africa.
1: You mean the really bad CGI in Africa? Oh my god! This did you see the CGI? In the, I was talking about the, the nineteen the 1980s thing when they went to the house. Like that was like a PlayStation it was, game. It was terrible. Like
2: there's people on the internet using TikTok that can do better deepfakes than that. They spent yeah. six euros on the deepfake.
1: In fairness, Dave, you're giving off to Lisa for a high score. You gave it a high score as well. I gave it two. Yeah. Oh. And the only reason I gave
2: it two is because I gave the previous film one. <laughs> <laughs> like if Capone had been any good, this would have got a one. But I just felt like I don't want to be the guy who gives out two ones in in, a, in, a, in one episode. This film has zero merit. And the only reason it got two instead of one is is because at least it had a a narrative structure. Admittedly, a terribly bad, cheesy, crap-in-the-early-90s narrative structure that they applied to a 2021 film, but a narrative structure. And uh, as Lisa said, the costumers went a bit mad, had a bit of fun. The choreographers had a bit of fun. Everybody got their quote-unquote joke, even the the princess, uh, whatever movies you like. And mm-hmm. you have freed my sister from her curse of apparently she's been standing on one foot and barking for the last 30 years. Absolute. Just who writes this stuff down and goes, yeah, we got a movie here, man. I gave it a two. And that was generous as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, absolutely atrocious movie. And when I joined up Amazon Prime there a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, wow, look, they got 1917. They got the Green Book. They've Parasite. And, and they've they've Borat. Uh, so I said, yeah, I... I need a bit of comedy in my life. You know, there's a pandemic going on. We're restricted in Ireland at the moment, which has been the way since St. Stephen's day or something to travel restrictions of five kilometers from your house, uh, which is very, uh, mentally challenging, shall we say. So Borat too. I said, okay, I know it came out before Christmas. I think it came out around Halloween last year, but, uh, yeah, it's on Amazon prime. Let's watch it. The first one uh, I enjoyed. I love the dictator. Um, so why not put a smile on my face, Dave? Tell us about Sacha Baron Cohen's latest flick Borat, two.
2: Uh, now I saw this uh, quite a few months back, so I might be a bit rusty in my recollection. But he 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 he's disgraced um, by his home country, um, and he has his his family disowns him. Uh, his and he kind of goes back to America to redeem himself, I think. And his daughter kind of follows him or you know sequesters herself away and I forget the lady's name but she actually did a great job in keeping up with the likes of Sasha Baron Cohen in terms of this this particular genre that he has kind of created and they go on this crazy tour and he does the classic stuff of having real life people we apparently uh and he dupes them into you know highlighting their foibles and you know all this make America great again Donald Trump stuff and they go on this wacky adventure and uh it's pretty standard Borat stuff. It's very hard to summarize. If anybody's that bad, mm. I'm open to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem as genuine or real this time compared to the last one.
2: It felt a, it bit like a bit like Sasha Baron Cohen needs a new house, and he got one.
1: Lisa, are you a fan of the first one? Are you a fan of Sasha? I had the never chaser? actually
0: watched the first one until the other day, and I decided to watch both of them one after the other, and I'm really glad I did. Not. God. I'm joking. I did not enjoy gross. them. No, they're they're not fun. They're gross. They're just not funny. They I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to like open up a conversation and point out what's wrong with places. But I'm like, "Oh, it, it couldn't have been done with a script and some actors and some nice things. But uh no. I don't I don't like it. It's it's too contrived. You know, there's this so much that you you it's making out that it's like public are involved in it, but I'm like you don't you don't shoot a movie in America these days or anywhere these days without having permits and without having people knowing that they're going to be on TV. It's just it's it's a it's two faults when everybody knows that there's a camera everywhere.
2: Plus, as Lisa know. said, uh, uh, the first time he did it, he might have gotten away with it because Borat was an unknown. Then yeah. Borat became this huge thing, and now people react when they see Borat. So yeah. his ability to fool people is gone. However. Yeah. His that's why they integrated the daughter as a as a trope for mm. her to be the junior Borat and to be Boratting people mm-hmm. without Borat being there and she did it to Rudy Giuliani which is the only interesting bit of the film that actually became a real thing just in the lead up to the election last November when yeah. but spoiler alert she dupes Rudy Giuliani into kind of uh, doing something that he shouldn't have done shall we say
1: yeah it's it's hard to know what to make of that piece of Rudy Giuliani at the end. His defence was he was just taking his lapel mic off or something. Sure,
2: his
0: lapel mic.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's where it was.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I've uh, Gary, and no more than yourself. I put a lot of lav mics onto people. That's not where they go, <laughs> Rudy. That's not where they go. <laughs> oh
1: dear. Um, yeah. Again, sadly, I mean, this is, I think, was probably our our worst week of content we've ever had to watch in yeah, the amount of, of episodes we've done for just like in the movies. Like, this Absolutely. was the worst week of content we've ever watched, wasn't it? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. This this, this, uh, this week of reviewing has made me, you know, question my <laughs> life choices. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, why am I sitting here watching this crap? And then you get over and you go, okay, I'll watch the next one. Maybe the next one is going to be good. And then you're suicidal come this next one. And then you have to sit down and watch the third one. And it's like, oh, dear God in heaven, why didn't I become a pediatrician? You know what I mean?
1: we should tell people the reason why we went for three movies this week is we've been watching so many TV shows, which take up a lot of time. Like your honor with uh, Brian Cranston, which we're going to be looking at that's 10 episodes an hour each. that's 10 hours. Whereas you watch a movie like Borat, that's an hour and a half. It feels like 10 hours. It's so bad, mm-hmm. but we thought, yeah, let's watch some movies. Cause we love movies. It's called just like in the movies, but oh my God, are there some horrific movies online at the moment? Lisa out of 10 for Borat too.
0: Um, for the the ending which I thought was cute with the daughter, um, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10.
1: And that's what you gave it as well Dave.
2: Yeah I gave it a 3 as well just because it's 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 trying to do it's own thing uh, and, and you know there's there's a little bit of merit in the Borat thing and Borat you know has created a lot of catchphrases and become a, a part of pop culture very quickly overnight uh, but this Borat 2 was just a cash in I think and there was nothing new in it Um, Other than the fact that they integrated some high level political people and made them look foolish. Uh, So I gave it a three on that basis. But that's, you know, as you said, this week has just been a a treasure trove of
1: crap. (laughs) So out of a potential scoring of 60, altogether, the points awarded is 14.
0: Oh,
1: that's not
0: bad. I feel like making it lower.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, Borat is the best of a bad bunch there, as I'm concerned. But, like, Borat is a long way away from the other two. And Mm. coming to America is a long way from Capone. So that tells you how bad Capone is.
1: I feel that there's a new purpose in my life now, and that is to just warn people off of just the crap that's out there. Save people time. The, The sands of time that are flaking away uh, that they can actually use their time in in this world to much better use than watching crap like that.
0: Yeah, we're a public service broadcaster now.
2: <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> we'll the problem you. is we're going to have to change the name of this podcast to We'll Take a Bullet in the Head for You. Don't worry, we got you. <laughs> the Bulletproof Movie Podcast. We'll take the hits so you don't have to.
1: Brought to you by gkmedia.ie <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh god. oh god.
1: I think we all need to lie down after.
2: Yeah. yeah. I I'm really looking forward to do it, to to reviewing uh Your Honor next week because I know I can guarantee that one episode of Your Honor will be better than the three piles of steaming poo that we have had to review this week. One episode and it probably cost 2 days worth of shooting on coming to America to make yeah. the entire episodes of of Your Honor with Brian Cranston. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it.
1: There you go. It's been a tough week. <laughs> and that's, that's regardless of a global pandemic. Until we talk to you next week, don't forget to follow just like in the movies on social media. Spread the word amongst your friends about the podcast and we'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.